Are you ready? A shot of wrestling. Episode 190. And the wait. Wait. Go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 190 of A Shot of Wrestling. I'm your host at Michael J. Party. Happy Thanksgiving. Joining me, as always, someone I am thankful for, the Hollywood assassin, Mark Schwain. You're such a dick. Well, I said that I was, I was thankful for you. No, it's Mark Schwan. That's what I said. No, you said Mark Schwain. I wouldn't say that. You're an asshole. That's fucked Everyone up. else heard this. That's messed up. It's messed up. I just said I was thankful for you. You're thankful for making a mockery of my last name. I would never do that to you. Of course. We're you, best friends. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we're not best friends? I, I, I thought we were. My feelings are hurt. I, my feelings I, are I hurt. thought we were, but here we, here we are giving me the, the shitty treatment once again. Uh, not giving me the proper intro. Poor you. Hey, Why don't you give me an intro for once? Because this is your show, putty. Give me an intro for once. Okay. Introduce me. You want me to introduce yeah. you? I'll show you how it's done. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to A Shot of Wrestling. This is yours truly, the Hollywood assassin, your favorite actor, Mark Schwann. And joining me today is my best friend, the man himself. He's wearing the t-shirt, ladies and gentlemen, Michael J. Putty. Putty, how's it going today? That was way better. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, no I'm problem. not feeling fantastic after that intro. <laughs> See? See, don't you feel a lot better after A that? lot better. Okay. I, I, next time, I apologize. We'll that. <laughs> okay, I'll get that working on for you. But anyway... It was Thanksgiving yesterday. How are you feeling? Did you have a good time? How was your Thanksgiving? Oh, God. I'm so full still. <laughs> I think like everyone else. Your eyes do look a little glazed over. It's still not food coma. Right? Yeah. yeah I feel it. What did you guys do? Did you, went to your, you went to your family's house or her family's house? Blend, so blend. every year we alternate, actually. Smart. So okay. uh, we do dinner at one place, and then we do dessert at the next. Oh, okay. That's smart. Yeah. Since my family and her family only live like 10 minutes apart. Okay. So it's just. Easy. I knew, I don't remember who it is. I knew people who would celebrate Thanksgiving at the, the wife's house, mm-hmm. the, the wife's family's house, then Christmas at the husband's family's house, and then vice versa next year. Yeah. So with that, actually, Christmas Eve is like a big deal. Oh, with, this is your first holiday as a married couple. Yeah. That's cool. It is. Yeah. Uh, Christmas Eve is a big deal with my family, not so much hers. But Christmas Day is a big deal with her family, not so much mine. That makes it easier. So, yeah, it makes it very easy. And then actually the last couple of years, it's only my mom and dad, really, during Christmas Day. My brother does his own thing. So um, Christmas Day, the past couple of years, uh, her family invited my parents over. That's cool. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. How about you? Talk to me about your Thanksgiving, your holidays. Well, for personal reasons, you know, uh, we didn't really have a really fancy Thanksgiving. Right. My mother and brother went to a diner. A diner? We had stuff to do. My mother, I don't want, I don't want my mother to cook. Okay. So I went to a diner. How is, how is the vibe at a diner for Thanksgiving? Not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah? I, there's, there's a couple of diners around here, and they're popping. There was one that's really packed. It was a waiting line. 
on Thanksgiving. Yeah. For dinner. I know this is like eight o'clock. Really? So I go to this place. No wait. We get there. They have a special menu. I'm not a big turkey guy. I'm more of sides. All I wanted was mashed potatoes. Listen, I, I think that's the thing. I heard someone today for the first time say uh, they look forward to the turkey. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, thank that? you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like a lot of us, like you know, I was hanging with well, one of my best friends since like God knows when uh, today earlier before, and we're just talking about that. Him and I, our favorite thing is the stuffing. It's all about the sides. Yeah, all about the sides. Turkey, get the fuck out of here. Like turkey, really? So go to the on. diner. I'm thinking about getting maybe a turkey burger. But my mother used to make the best meatloaf. Oh, okay. I grew up on her meatloaf. It's my favorite thing in the world. You know, she has the age where she, it's a lot of hard to make, so she doesn't make it anymore. She buys pre-bought, pre-made meatloaf. So it's not the same. Yeah. Right. So I see meatloaf with mashed potatoes on the menu. Mm. I'm like, yo, this is why I want to, I've been craving for this. Let's do this. Right. It comes out. No, it's not good. It, it's meatloaf. And in the meatloaf, it's like full of onions and celery. It's, it's full of all this crunchy green shit. Right, not the way your mom made it. No, of course. Which I, you know, I, I expect. I've ordered meatloaf other places and it's been delicious. Right. This is dry, crunch, oh, dry and no. crunchy. I'm like, just get me home so I can get a drink. Ah, <laughs> poor putty. So this Thanksgiving, happy it's over with. But my thing too about this is nobody appreciates Thanksgiving. I appreciate Thanksgiving. The week I was off a couple weeks ago when you guys did the show with Green Man and uh, Jimmy J. Yeah, Jimmy Dinas. I heard on the radio Christmas music. Mm. There's a station here in New York, Light FM, 24 hours nonstop Christmas music all of December. Can I also just say, you want to talk about this right now? That day we did at Abel's place, yeah. right? Abel had his Christmas tree fully, <sighs> fully up, fully lit. That's disgusting. I, I, I was, dude, what are, we do, what are we doing here? Yeah. We're nowhere close to Thanksgiving. No, it's yet. November. Why is it? He's, he's well. Next month is December. I'm like, right. Next month, yeah. Next month. And it's just so annoying. It kind of takes away from the speci- speciality of Thanksgiving. Right. And Light FM used to play Christmas music after Thanksgiving or on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. But now they're doing it two weeks ahead of time? Let's, let's slow everyone's roll here Please. for a second. Enjoy Thanksgiving. No, Enjoy yeah. the time. And then the day after is Black Friday. It's Christmas season. Even now, it's still November. By the time the show airs, it'll be December. Play what you want to play. Decorate what you want to decorate. But this is just my... so un- I've been a pet peeve of mine for years now. It's growing oh, no, and growing no. worse I, and worse. I, I, I'm with you, man. It is getting worse and worse. I feel like as soon as Halloween is over, I'm starting to see Christmas shit. I think I saw Christmas shit before Halloween was even there. It's fucking wild. Yeah, so I saw the Halloween candy and like the Christmas decorations coming up. Yeah. like Isn't Thanksgiving still a thing? Right. God, so- but you know what? The only thing that they make a profit of on Thanksgiving... It's a turkey, really. That's a popular thing. No one's going to like really, you know, there's no Thanksgiving uh, treats type of deal. That's there's, true. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess maybe that's the thing. Christmas is more profitable. And also, you know, the Catholic, I mean, the good Catholic boy that I am, born and raised. I feel like you you put out like a Tinder profile right here. Maybe. Everyone bites, everyone bites. At Monday Party. I'm a good Catholic you, you boy. Know, we I, celebrate the real meaning of the season. The birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on Thanksgiving, Christmas. Okay, <laughs> which means you got to keep the decorations up until Little Christmas, which is two weeks after. So I see people like tear down their Christmas trees and lights on the twenty sixth. I'm like, bro, come on, you're a fake. You're a fake Christmas person. I think I might be on. 
in that category because I think that we so two weeks after. Yeah, and is, maybe because the way I was brought up too, we always decorated our house like a week or two before Christmas. Uh huh. Because we had to keep it up until the second week of January. Why? The Feast of the Epiphany. It's when the three wise men finally went, uh, made their way to the manger. Ah. Uh-huh. Which is little Christmas because they gave their Christmas their presents to. Interesting. I see. I'm a very bad Catholic boy. Actually, I uh, actually dropped out for religion. I never did the oh, confirmation shit. thing. I was a bad boy, dude. I could tell. <laughs> it's all bullshit anyway. Who cares? But anyway, <laughs> happy Thanksgiving. But now we are officially on the road to Christmas. Yes, is that the thing? We're in the road to Christmas. Yeah, I guess so. We always use the road to WrestleMania. I guess. Yeah, I'm going to point at the Christmas tree right now. For a while. <laughs> Anyway, we talk all night about our Thanksgiving. We're here about wrestling. Want to get some news? Yes, let's talk about the news. What a busy week this was. Yeah. It's time for In the News with Michael J. Putty and Mark Schwab. And that was one of those schmucks who had work on Friday after Thanksgiving. Like, I'm the minority of idiots. Everyone's... I don't know why I had a feeling you were working today. <sighs> fucking banks are open. Oh, we're still recording. Hey, welcome back. Off-air discussion. Oh, um, get some news? Yeah. That's what we're talking about, right? News? <laughs> Is this for real? Yeah. <laughs> Mauro Ronaldo missed Survivor Series. Mm. Michael Gold had a fill-in for him. Saying he was so passionate about war games, he blew out his voice. Which I understand because war games is awesome. We'll get into that later. Corey Graves, however, took to Twitter during war games... To criticize Mr. Ronaldo, saying, and I quote, just for the record, guys, I know you wouldn't know it, but there's actually a WWE Hall of Famer and a Ring of Honor, a former Ring of Honor champion on commentary. I imagine they have a lot to offer. And when asked about the many Chicago rap references, he said far, far too many. Well, that apparently set Morrow off, who has a history, well-documented history of mental illness, deleted his Twitter, didn't show up to Survivor Series, and he's now battling his disease. You were talking about, before the show started, about your opinion on this. Flora's yours, my friend. It's a tweet. Two tweets. It's two tweets. Yes, it it is criticizing your work. I actually do agree with Corey Graves. I think Morrow is a little too much sometimes. I think... But isn't like Michael Cole sometimes? No. no. I feel like there's a fair balance. Okay. Uh, With Morrow, I feel like all I hear is Morrow. Even my wife, who, again, is not a big wrestling fan... Was here like man, this guy really? See, I don't pick up on that. Okay, this guy's not letting anyone talk. Is anyone out there else out there with him? I'm like, yeah, two other people. It's really? Like, wow, I would never know. So, a casual wrestling fan noticed that. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't paying too much attention. I didn't guess I didn't really notice, but like he's not. And I also noticed Morrow's not listening at all to to the other people. Like, really? Okay. I, I, that, that's what as someone that's d- doing commentary. I'm, I'm picking up on this stuff because I like to study commentary now more than ever. And he's do he's one of the greatest. He's one of the best right now in the business. I would say he's overrated. Honestly. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think he he has amazing passion for it. I will give him that. He does have a good voice. Um, Someone who has been told very monotone, and as you guys can tell, that's true. I'm well aware that I'm monotone. <laughs> There's not too much inflection in my voice. It doesn't go up too much. I'm not talking about Batista. Uh, but yeah, but he's guy. This guy's off the charts with the uh, with the passion. The passion but but yeah. it might be a little too much sometimes. He, he's got real down. It, it's about the levels. There's different levels when it comes to commentary, and just like in wrestling or any type of storytelling, there's different levels. And I think Morrow sometimes, well, a lot of times, is just like too extra to the point where it, 
Nigel and Beth Phoenix are drowned out, and he's not letting them talk. He's monopolizing the conversation. It, it's almost like Joey Styles. Okay. You know, and Joey Styles is by himself, and it worked. If Morrow was by himself, this would work. But he's he's got to give have some give and take here, and, and it would actually make him a better commentator. That's why I say he's overrated. I'm not saying he's a bad commentator, by the way. I think people take that out of context. Don't take that that way. Um, okay. No, I know you didn't, but I think people would take that out of context. I don't think he's a bad commentator. I think people say he's the greatest right now. I would say he's overrated because a good commentator, uh, a great commentator, would listen. They would know how to hit the gas and go on a break a little bit, you know. And I think Morrow's just his his foot is heavy on that pedal, man. I don't want to play around or talk about mental illness. I mean, it's, it's a touchy subject, especially these days. It is a touchy subject, but, but like the, the fact is, like the wrestling business, as an entertainer, the entertainment business in general, mental mental illness is a thing. You know, it's not just Morrow that has it. A lot of people do suffer with it, whether they're um, whether they're public with it or not. You know, it, it's a tough business, and, but. Again, you know, it's a tough business. You're going to get criticized a lot from colleagues, from fans, and you have to learn to deal with it. You know, wrestling is, I would say, is the, probably the toughest out of all the entertainment I, that I've been in. Okay. It's a lot of politics involved. <laughs> there, yeah, and learning that the hard way. The yeah. fans are more, more vocal than I've seen in any uh, any type of realm. And, you know, you have to have thicker skin than normal. I get it. Mental, uh, he's got a mental illness. He, he does, you know. But like again, I have to stress. You know, plenty of other people in this industry do. And, and if you're attacked, if you and I don't think Corey Graves was malicious about this. I don't think he was. It was bullying. I saw so it was a critique. That's what compare it to the JBL during SmackDown. Apparently, he was Com- being bullied. Completely different. Completely different. This is what one and a half tweet. Right. And Corey went on to say on his podcast, that, you know, that uh, he did apologize and uh, he was trying to work up an angle for Survivor Series. You know, it, it, Morrow, there's no way in hell he could do an angle like that because yeah. he he can't handle it. Like one one or two tweets, and he goes off Twitter, doesn't show up for work for two days. Like, oh, well, he's still MIA for next week, right? Don't even knows. Like, I I I, I don't know. I mean, but apparently. Dave Belter is important. He's in rough shape. Everyone knows the situations, but it's a pretty bad the last couple of days. It's a day-by-day thing. There's no way of knowing what's going to happen next. It's a very unfortunate situation. It's probably worse than what we've said, end quote. It's something else. I feel like something else had to happen, though. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to. I know of a couple of people who have bipolar, and it's, very, it's a very sensitive line you got to walk. But uh, It is a sensitive line, but again, I have to stress, he's not the only one. In the entertainment world, that's dealing with something like this. I understand not showing up to Survivor Series, but not show up on Wednesday to uh, to fall out. Yeah, you know, maybe tomorrow. You know, I could understand it as well. Maybe he didn't want to, you know, be around Corey at that point. Yeah. Maybe he felt uncomfortable. Maybe things were said that were not public. You know, I don't know. We don't know. I feel like we don't have the whole story here. No, we have Corey Graves' apology, which you went over just now, so we don't have to go over that again. But yeah. It, I don't know what's going on here. I mean, I don't suffer from that. Well, I don't suffer from bipolarism anyway. And uh, so I don't know how long it takes to come back from this. But I'm hoping it comes back sooner rather than later because I like Morrow. I mean, yeah, I have nothing bad to say really about Morrow. I mean, like, I would just say, like... Have you, you've been watching NXT here and there, right? Yeah. 
the way he was on War Games, is that how he usually was on NXT? Overpowering Beth and um, I feel it's, the other guy? It's far what's too often. Like, yeah, no, it is because... I don't, I don't, what's his name? Nigel McGuinness. You. you see, that's the problem. That's the problem right there. You, we only, you only know Morrow right there. And Beth. Come on. But, yeah, because my, um, my wife hasn't watched any of the war, uh, takeovers. So, yeah, it was definitely on regular NXT programming as well that, that he's like that. Okay, well, anyway, best of luck to him. Speedy recovery. And, you know, good job for Tom Phillips filling in. Yeah, good job for him. I was wondering where he was. Yeah. Isn't he doing UK now? NXT UK? Oh, is he? I don't actually I think pay attention so. to that. But anyway, moving on another news. Story you talked about before the show started. The uh, Maryland State Athletic Commission is reportedly formally investigating the Kenny Omega-John Moxley match that took place at Full Gear. Former WCW announcer Chris Cruz, who I've never heard of, Right? I never Re- heard of this guy either. Recently contacted the commission regarding the Omega versus Moxley match and asked about their rules on blading and allowing matches to continue if a performer is bleeding either intentionally or unintentionally and if there's a commission doctor at the show. With a repeated request, he was told the commission prohibits wrestlers from deliberately lacerating themselves or their opponents or introducing human or animal blood. Ugh, gross. Yeah, I didn't even know that <laughs> part was a thing about the animal blood. Never even heard that before. Yeah. The commission also said they were at full gear and had a doctor assigned to the show. They also said they are conducting a formal investigation into the match. Because of that investigation, they were unable to comment on questions about the match. Now, you looked into this further. Apparently, there's a whole list of things we're not, they're not allowed to do in Maryland. Yeah, which is, which is insane how they even allow wrestling to be there. Yeah. You can't go off the top rope. Which just proves those are, like America, they had the Jim Crow laws. Yeah. Which are way outdated Rules are not even followed to this day. Right. I'm assuming these rules are not followed. No, no. Letter. You can't. You can't hit the turnbuckle post. Like okay. <laughs> all these. So what rules do they enforce? Then? About punching, kicking. Like what? What are we talking about here? Then don't don't allow wrestling in your state. Plain and simple. There are 49 other ones. But obviously they do. Obviously they and did. never has been an issue before. Right. So who is this tool? Who's obviously an AEW. Like I guess non-supporter like you, buddy. <laughs> Don't let me go to this guy. I'm not a, there's a difference between a, not a fan and not a supporter. Like this dude is obviously anti AEW, trying to get them in trouble. Yeah, it's just wholly weird. I, I, when I read the story broke today, I'm like, what? What? You know, he's also saying that AEW is not going to last. He said it'll be, he said he'd be around for a while, but it won't last like yeah. that long. Right. But other people have said, so, okay, this guy just uh, has a stick up his ass apparently. I think AEW is going to do fine. Do you think he auditioned and was rejected? Maybe. That's right. That's the first Maybe. thing I thought of. Disgruntled, a, disgruntled, uh, yeah. naive employee. <laughs> disgruntled wannabe. I'm assuming nothing's going to come of this, so let's move on. Stop giving this guy enough time. Right. Now the news, Bray Wyatt is now the number one merchandise seller for the company. Surprised? No. No. Not surprised. And they're probably going to be even more so now with his new championship belt. Yeah. Let's, let's hold off on that for a second. Okay. WS Shop is currently offering more than 20 items for Wyatt in the Firefly Funhouse. 20 items? Okay. Well, wait, are, they, are they selling the puppets, too? They were probably are. I mean, I'm assuming they all about the money, so I'm assuming they are. Right. On a related note, the WS Shop has now started selling the Wyatt Head Lanterns. Are they really? Price is right here. Bray Wyatt Head Lantern. What's your, what's your bid? $39.99. $100. Are you serious? With or without shipping? Without shipping. What the fuck? And believe it or not, 
I unfortunately can believe it. They sold out immediately. Wow. Is it, is it a limited edition? No, because they've been restocked. What? And they're also being sold at live events. That's surprising because they got a lot of shit about that. What? About the headland and like, oh, is this oh. going to be a thing? Blah, blah, blah. It's PG, yada, yada. That makes no sense. Eh, fuck them. But $100 <laughs> for a lantern, that, that smoke better admit from it, okay? I, I can't believe it. Did I see, like, I saw on SmackDown, right? Uh, they were talking about the Black Friday sale. Did I see a WWE crockpot? Yeah, of course. I saw that. It came out a couple weeks ago. I didn't know that was a thing. It's a crockpot, a black, shiny crockpot with just with the logo on it. I I can't. I can't. Well, I can. I've I've seen a bunch of ridiculous stuff on there. Would you get a WWE crockpot? No. If I was <laughs> going to get a, a crockpot, I would probably buy that because it's probably cheap. But no, if, are you are you cheap? Are you cheaper. The, the lantern's selling for fucking hundred dollars. You yeah, think a crockpot's going to be touché. cheaper? Call it red-handed, touche. Yeah. <laughs> but a lantern, hundred and people bought this up, and now you just mentioned that they're selling this custom. What you can call a title belt has no semblance. Semblance is that even a word? No <laughs> resemblance of a title belt at all. I think you know what I. I and we're never going to see this. I don't see Bray the Fiend walking out to the ring rocking this. I uh, okay. I might be on the minority here on this. I actually like it. Yeah, you're the minority. I'm, I think though I'm the minority here who doesn't like it because it doesn't. It's not even a good looking belt. It doesn't even look like a belt. But if it's it fits his character, if it's if it's the fiend's character, Stone Stone Cold Steve Austin got a custom belt. His face was monotone not anymore. Jesus, his, okay, here we go. <laughs> talk about the fucking fiend. Yeah, his face wasn't on it. The fiend's face is on the the main plate of this. It's unique. Air quote belt. It's unique. I I actually well I mean what did you think of Daniel Bryan's belt? That was very unique. That was different. Very unique, me. but it looked like a belt. It looked, like it, uh, it looked like a title belt. It did look like a title belt. I, I, this was like something a kindergartner threw together in uh, shop class. I don't know. I think it could work. I think it would. Well, these assholes are buying $100 lanterns. This is going to fucking sell out no problem. Of course. This is going to be a limited edition. I don't know, man. I, I dig it. I'm all about the character. If it fits the character, great. I, I, I had a little bit of a problem when he was walking out with the championship on uh, Survivor Series. I, I, I actually liked how he was... Um, it was unique when it was wrapped around his neck, the title like that. But it just, the blue and everything didn't really fit his character. <sighs> this does. It's his face. I would give, give me a, a, a main plate that's creepy, kooky, mysterious, and kooky. It's all together, spooky. You know, something like that. Not his face. What the fuck did you just do? Adam's family? Yeah, I know, but uh, why? Because he's mysterious and spooky. No, no, no. But I, I didn't need you to do it again. <laughs> so give me, give me a main plate that reflects him, not just his mask. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. No, we won't see. We did see. His, it's, it's a we'll fucking see, mask. We'll, we'll see. I want to see it, like, and it, him walk down the entranceway with that thing, with his music and the lighting effect. I want to so see. So it's going to be his face and then his face on his stomach. I, w- I want to see more. <sighs> I do not. Man, I cannot wait for, like, The Fiend to, like after you because he went after you on Twitter <laughs> spoiler alert the most boring match of the Survivor Series is The Fiend versus Bray Wyatt you really hate Bray Wyatt you know the news I, this is like unreal Lana signed a new five year contract whilst Rusev is still in negotiations now what do you think the future is for Rusev he signs WWE 
But he's not happy there. But okay, let's be real. He's really with Lana in real life. Yes, that was John Moxley with Renee Young. Boom, got him, folks. Mm. So was Britt Baker with Adam Cole, baby. True. I mean, you know, you do have me there. But I don't see him leaving, but do you see him leaving? Oh, my God. Who was it a couple weeks ago that said Rusev is kind of now in the worst possible position ever? He's in this horrible storyline. If he doesn't resign, they're going to embarrass him. If he does resign, he's stuck in this shitty storyline. I don't necessarily view it as a shitty storyline, though. Like I, I think, now you're the minority. Okay. I, I again I haven't seen every raw as of late. I've, I've seen the highlights and everything. Um, I know, but this is one of the most. Line. This is one of the people. If I'm fast forwarding raw, this is the moment, moments I do stop and watch. So that is saying something about the storyline. Yeah. Something you're you're interested to see how either bad it is or what happens. But either way, I'm stopping to watch this. Now, why is it so bad for you? Because you know Rusev and Lana are still. I'm not saying it's bad. I mean. It's it's cheesy. It's hokey. It's not believable. How is but, it not believable though? Because you know that you know that's not real. But I'm not saying it's bad. I mean, I know people are shitting on the storyline. I'm just taking it as like, okay. Like, do you do you believe that relationships, real life relationships, should not play out in WWE storyline? I don't care. It depends in the storyline. Like, eventually, it's gonna. If you're gonna push the envelope a bit, eventually, it's gotta get to this point. This happened in the Attitude Era. Yeah, I'm saying like this happened all the time. I don't criticize things. I, I'm watching like other people do. Like I don't. I'm not an armchair quarterback. So uh, I don't know about that. I feel like a lot of people are. Yeah, I think I'm not. And, and I think if we play back the segment when you're talking about Bray Wyatt before, mm, a little bit. Yeah, it's a different story. A little bit. I mean, it's not a different story. It's the same thing. No, not, I'm not criticizing a storyline. I'm just thinking that that match is boring. But the storyline overall, I'm not going to shit on the storyline. I'm going to see where it plays out. It's not the greatest storyline. It's very hokey. I mean, it was stolen away from Mike Kanellis and Maria. So, oh, okay. I mean, I'm not going to, like, shit on it. Like I said, I'm going to stop, see what happens, and then fast forward the Ricochet match. What, why, what, what makes Ricochet so interesting instead of the storyline? Ricochet, only, they don't have anything really for Ricochet. So, yeah, that's why I usually fast forward his matches. You, oh, you fast forward his yeah. match? Oh, I thought you were going to fast forward to his match. No. His Never match. mind. Also, Jerry Lawler signed a new three-year deal. He made the announcement at GalaxyCon. Don't know what that is, but it sounds awesome. So there you go. Interesting that Jerry Lawler signed a contract. Like, I know it's like one of those all-inclusive co- contracts like that mix with the, the legends and the talent and yada yada. But I, I guess they need him to develop Dio Madden and um, Vic, Vic Joseph a yeah. bit. I think Vic Joseph is doing a good job. Dio Madden yet to be determined because he's been off the I air. I thought he was doing pretty good, but now they took him off. Yeah. How long does it take to recover from an F5? I don't know. Ask Dio Madden. Yeah. <laughs> But, I don't know, because Jerry Lawler, I mean, he's... Listen, again, if you know me personally, you know the friend of the show, you know I'm a big fan of David Otunga. I don't see why David Otunga can be in this role. David Otunga is very great on commentary. Give him a shot. Hashtag David Otunga. I, w- I want to see David Otunga is great on commentary. But he's getting better and better each and every week as SmackDown originally went on. And I was looking forward to him. But well, uh, Clearly it wasn't working uh, for whatever reason. That's where I'm in the minority, I guess. <laughs> he's doing great in these pregame shows, whatever. I, I think he does shine in that type of role, but Jerry Lawler, he's definitely he's he's out of touch with his lines. So you hear that they did tell him to tone it back a bit. So which is um, I'm surprised why they gave him the contract. Um, I guess maybe because he's doing such a good job as far as developing these guys. I think maybe that's where it talk came about it. Play. A, um, I think a couple months ago, Jim Ross was kind of trying to lure him over to AEW. Oh, that might be another reason. Yeah, lock him in. There you go. 
either way, whatever. Finally, in other news, some guy who I uh, would not be surprised does not resign. Apparently, Vince McMahon currently feels Umberto Carrillo is over. He's, he's done. He, he doesn't care about him anymore. Right. Saying, I quote, Vince is done with Umberto for the time being. He, he's giving him the Cedric Alexander treatment. Like you see him on TV, he might win here and there, but he ain't going nowhere. Vince thought he wasn't getting over, so he's done. That sucks. Vince, anytime you see someone that's maybe being like the next Latino star, doesn't really give him enough time. Yeah, but he wants the next Latino star. He does. He says that all the time, but how short of a leash do these guys get? Alberto Del Rio. <clears throat> short Alberto leash. Short Del leash. Rio. He had a long leash. He got the fucking cars, the uh, personal ring announcer, the championship. But I feel like it was very short-lived. I mean, the period of time that he got. But then again, Alberto Del Rio apparently had some attitude problems as well, oh. so that didn't really help him. But who else? Did they also, say? I realize I always hear they're looking for the next Rey Mysterio. Right. But then I also hear guys like Adam Cole, baby. Dolph Ziggler. Everyone's looking for the next Shawn Michaels. There's right. never going to be another Shawn Michaels. No. There's never, never going to be, be another, another Rey Mysterio. Mysterio. Yeah. yeah. So just find somebody who's going to bring in that. Uh... What about Andrade? He's amazing. Yeah. And Selena Vega together with him. I mean, I think that's money right there. I don't know why they're not banking on him. Yeah. As, as uh, to be the next Rey Mysterio. That guy. He, like, think about him as, a, as an intercontinental champion. As a U.S. champion. Eventually, can you see him being world heavyweight champion? Eventually, I see him in the picture. Yeah, I see him at least in the picture. He's definitely got the in ring ability. He's got the charisma. Zelina Vega puts him over the top. Like I don't just I don't see why they don't push him more. I don't know. We'll find out in the next couple of weeks. Like, I didn't really see anything in Berto, honestly. Oh, neither did I. But I didn't know anything about him. Right. But, I like think the, that's the problem, though. Like those, I, I, I knew like, nothing about him. Like the NBC execs back in the late 80s, early 90s who wanted to cancel Seinfeld, there was one guy who stood up for him and gave Seinfeld a chance that Seinfeld was the next biggest thing. Right. So and that, that's what I kind of feel about TV nowadays. They're so quick to cancel shows. No, they are. Are they too quick to cancel on these guys? Like, give this guy a chance. and But they never gave him the, the, the proper shot to be the guy. You yeah. know, they gave him maybe a couple good matches, but... They never gave him a real story. We never really, really knew who he was. They never really introduced that to us. They never gave him like really a character to work with. He's just some Latino superstar yeah. who could do some stuff in the ring. That was it. Like no one's going to care about that. No, nobody. They, they may be impressed by one or two matches, but at the end, they're like, "All right, what? Why should we care? Why do we need to care? Like wrestling is just so much more than what you can do in the ring. I want to be emotionally." invested in these characters and these storylines uh random reference my mother and father are big fans of the show big brother okay and we where it's a, people are locked in this house for the whole summer and blah 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 but you get to know these people on a different personal level their mm -hmm. background where they came from and learn about them personally and my parents love getting to know these these quote-unquote characters of the show but they can't get into amazing race okay because amazing race you don't know about these characters they're just people on a treasure hunt Right. There's and no emotional who, connection. Who cares? Yeah. Right. That's, so that's the biggest thing in marketing is just like that uh, ethos. Okay. You know, just to play on the emotional strings of the audience. Which is missing what they're saying in Amazing Race. But kind of equating to here, like there's no background story. There's no connection to Umberto Carrillo. Right. Going back to those promos of Razor Ramon. How many promos we had of him before There's he was so debuted? So many vignettes. How many vignettes of Jeff Jarrett? We got to, we got to uh, right. establish connection these guys debuted. Right. 
So maybe that's what they're missing here. Establishing some sort of connection before they debut. Something. Just because you, you, you just throw Umberto Carrillo's being dressed as the Raw, and now here he's on Raw. I don't know the guy. Right. Why, why, why should I care about it? It's him? almost like they're making it sound like, oh, you don't know. That's stupid that you don't know who yeah. he is. I mean, he's, he's clearly on the roster. You, <laughs> you didn't know that? You know he's on the roster? So going back to that, like, like there's, there's, uh, no, there's no connection here. So maybe that's why this experiment failed. Right. Give exactly. him give him vignettes. Give him a push. Give him, let me know who this guy is. So and I'm not even just saying about him. I'm just saying in general. No, so for, yeah. That's why I think there are so many failed experiences because they just throw them in our face. Like, all right, get in the ring, go. Which is why characters work so well in the '90s and Alex Derek because you got those lead-ins to them. Right. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I I don't I don't know either. I don't know when we got away from that. <laughs> I, I I don't get it. You're getting these these indie dudes that come in. They already have a, established a, a brand and a name for themselves, and they come in. And see, obviously, they come in hot. But you know what happens to like the everyday uh, WWE fan that doesn't follow the indies? They don't know who these guys are. They, you have to no. you have to give them something. Give them something yeah. for them to care. Like Umberto comes out with a cape. Is he a Mexican superstar? Is he a royalty? Does he have a like? They did that with job. Great job with. Uh, like just mentioned, Del Rio. Right. Many vignettes leading up to him. Fancy houses, fancy cars. When right. they debuted, I'm like, oh, I know who this guy is. They should have known this guy then. He, Del Rio, like, a lot of people thought he was boring. Me personally as well. Okay. Um, the mic or in general? Just general. He was a Spanish GBL. Oh, shit. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's true. Okay. I mean, that, that's pretty much what he was. I never made that connection before. Okay. <laughs> now you're not going to unsee it. <laughs> but. A lucha libre dios. He. <laughs> He had something to him, though. Yeah, he had a certain Jensen Kwok. Yeah. He did. He did. You know, unfortunately, again, I have to stress that you know his attitude brought people the wrong way, and and that was that. We can go on and on about this. I feel I think we're just talking in circles eventually. But moving on, Greenland's back with interviews. Yes, with someone we know as Tristan Ty, local indie standout. Know him very well. Many of you know him as Ikuro Kwan from uh, MLW. You know him pretty well. I know him pretty well, yeah. We've uh, crossed paths before with Dom and Chris. Well, he recently got injured. Pretty serious injury. Greenman sits down with him to get not only up to on his career, but his injury. So uh, here's Greenman talking to Tristan Ty Ikuro Kwan. Family, welcome to another exciting edition of A Shot of Wrestling, the interviews. If you have not done so already, follow us on all forms of social media at A Shot of Wrestling on Facebook and Instagram and Shot of Wrestling No A on Twitter. You can also contact us via email at inbox at a shot of wrestling.com or dial it up 619-343-3005 and leave your comments on a Shot of Wrestling hotline. Now we say it time and time again that wrestling brings us together and today is no different. Today, we cut that check and are joined by one of the fastest rising fighters in our area. He is above the rest from MLW's Contra unit, Ikuro Kwan, also known as Tristan Ty. Brother, welcome to A Shot of Wrestling. What's good, man? That's good, man. Thank you for having me. It is. It, <laughs> it did. You know what's interesting about that, that you're mentioning that there's been a lot of your boys, a lot of your brothers that we have had on the show. And I guarantee you, every time we ended an episode with them, they were always like, yo, so much fun. We had a good time. But you know who you need to get on? You need to get in Tristan. He's got a story to tell. 
I was like, all right. <laughs> well, today we're going to tell that story because I want to learn all about you, brother. I want to learn all about you. But I have to get started with a little bit of sad news because unfortunately you're out with injury. And I think a lot of people who will be tuning in want to get an update on where you are, on what's going on. Uh, so fill us in on this injury that recently happened with you. Um, well, you know, it's been an emotional week, a uh, couple of weeks. First off, you know, uh, you know, RIP Matt Travis, my brother. Um, that was uh, that was a big hit to the community, to myself, to his family, to his friends. You know what I mean? Like it was it was a hard hit for wrestling and, and New York as a whole. But having that in mind gave everybody a whole different kind of drive because of how easy things can end. You know, it's always in the back of your mind. You always know that, but when it hits you specifically, it kind of switches your gears. It either makes you regress or makes you progress. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. So. Me and Gabe had this match uh, at Full Face Wrestling. Um, our debut was a Fatal Four Way Tag, and we were just we you know we, we had the NDK in our tape. Like this is our first match to uh, remember him and, and and put his line of work and his dedication in, in, into fruition for all the people there. Uh, it was our dedication match to him, and we we were just doing it was very early in the match. We we're hitting our dives, you know things that we do. I go for my dive, and as I plant my feet to go over to flip over the top mm-hmm. um i thought someone might punch my kneecap and i was like oh what what that hurt and then but i but i couldn't you know it was all right so i shook it off but it was all this is all happening like in midair and so and oh, all wow. of a sudden i feel like i feel the top rope on my stomach which i never feel because i clear that i clear the top rope you know i land on my feet from the flip like it makes people think that i can high fly no i can't but i i do it and then I and then I just land and I just land like grossly. I land my ass hits the apron. I'm just like stand. I'm like that was terrible. And then I hear a fan go, "What the hell was that?" And I was like, "I knew it was ugly." So I, you know, I'm gonna get in his face though. And I just fall. I just limp away. I'm like, "What the? What happened?" I couldn't stand. It. I try to stand up again. Messed up. It was me and Gabe's hot tag. I'm trying to get in so we can do our double fall right off the apron. I'm just like, "What happened?" Um, they eventually they pull me to the back. My knees the size of a basketball. They rush me to the hospital. Uh, they take x-rays, it's too swollen. Next, uh, then yesterday I got MRIs. Um, turns out I ruptured my patella tendon, dislocated my kneecap, and I have strained ligaments all around the knee joint. So I need, I'm getting surgery on Tuesday. So it's, I'm out for the year, which sucks. I had, uh, some big things coming up this year, but health is the most important thing. And I'm glad that it happened on my account, not doing a move to someone else or someone else could get in trouble or someone else could get hurt. So I'm glad that if it was solo, it wasn't because of someone, it wasn't at the risk of someone else's health. So all things considered, it was the best case scenario in terms of getting hurt, I guess. Now, was it after so many years of putting torture on that knee? Yeah, the doctor said it was like a ticking time bomb situation. I have a lot of wear and tear from uh, from uh, doing martial arts all my life, from playing sports, you know, soccer, you know, basketball, football, and uh, just amateur wrestling, um, a lot of strain on the gym. And over the summer, I think just doing some, you know, matches and just training, working out that there's been like knee pain, nothing crazy, but just a hurt. I didn't really pay attention to it. And it was my, the doctor was saying that this type of motion, this explosive movement was almost like the last straw that the tendon needed to, to, to tear. Mm-hmm. So hopefully now when, when I start rehabbing and all that, I'll be able to instruct the, the therapists and all them what I'm what I'm looking to do and, and things to do to strengthen my, my bad knee and my good knee so it doesn't happen. You know, so it's a learning experience that we all need and hopefully whoever's listening to this can take some advice from that and just always just ice, take care of yourself. If there's a pain, get it checked out. 
you know, it's, it's better doing that than luckily I'm young enough. I'm still in my parents insurance. You know what I'm saying? So it mm-hmm. works out that way. But for you to, you know, if you don't, you gotta, you gotta take care of yourself first and foremost, because as much as you don't want your spot taken, your spot can be vacated a lot longer. If, uh, if you let yourself get really hurt. You are very young in your career, uh, and that's something that, you know, we mentioned, you know, you're one of the fastest rising stars in our area. And it's true because you've only been in the business about two years now. And to get the opportunity to work with a company like MLW, that's huge. Can you walk us through on how that started happening? How did, who, who was the main players in it? Did you just get a call one day? It's like, hey, Tristan, we're interested in you. This is what we want you to do. Well, the main player, first and foremost, is my trainer, Kono. He's one of my best friends now. You know, I owe everything to him. You know, like, at this point, we're really close friends, but uh, he's always on that upper echelon of, of, of people who I admire because of the time he took and dedicated to teach me this craft and to continue to show me things, continue to critique and continue to um, let me know the truth about the business. And, and, you know, and giving me the confidence to wrestle. I had my first match against him, mm-hmm. you know, and it was, it was awesome. And I learned a lot from him that day. And then just having the, the, the guts of being surrounded by people who, who push you to go certain places. Uh, that, uh, De Niro, Barton, and Gabe, they pushed me to go to Dojo Wars because I didn't think I was ready. Uh, from there, um, they took a really quick liking to me and Gabe, uh, right away. Um, wanted to use us, explore, you know, and, and, and to, and to teach us their way of thinking. From there, Gabe again convinced me to go to, uh, this Beyond tryout. So we did the Beyond Wrestling tryout. Gabe mm-hmm. ended up winning that tryout. Um, but I was one of the four favorites that they liked from that tryout. They gave us a shot to wrestle at one of their shows in a dark match uh, for Uncharted Territory. Uh, we ended up getting called, me and Gabe, which was amazing. Uh, then Gabe got to do the Lethal Lottery against Matt Cross. Um, I was there for that. That was, you know, that was awesome to see that. And then we got called again to be on their Beyond Secret Show in Boston, which was an incredible honor again. You know, because they could they could have picked anybody. So all so we're already we're on these these, these main shows with these guys that uh, are just showing us so much, just not the, directly to us, but what we're what we're watching, how how they're interacting. And then CZW moves me Gabe up to the main roster, and through the footage from Beyond uh, CZW uh, MLW found my, found that footage, and they called me up and offered me a contract. Um, they saw something, uh, I guess, in me that that was marketable enough to take a chance on a young, a young unknown kid. Now the ball's in my court, and I'm just trying to uh, to play as many minutes as I can. I guess. Yeah, I mean, the companies you are naming are insane. They're pretty much on the East Coast, like the companies you want to be part of: Beyond Wrestling, CZW, MLW. You know, and it all started with humble beginnings at FTW. You know, and I think it, it has to be said, you. And your group of above the rest are, the motto has been shared, you know, ironing, sharpening iron. That's exactly what you guys are doing. You guys are always challenging each other to be better. You know, we we want everybody to succeed. We're all going through the same stuff. And it's our, and it's our job to stand out to where people feel that they can invest money in our, in our product and our work. So any advice that I get, I try to pass along and it's not, I tell them right off the bat, it's not me telling you this, it's the things that I'm learning that I want you guys to learn because as opposed to being at the state that I'm on in 10 years and un, and once I get there, I got to unlearn 10 years of stuff mm-hmm. to learn it their way. I'm coming in fresh off the bat. I'm only learning what they want. I'm only learning the right way in terms of, of how they think a wrestling production should be, should be done and a wrestling match should be, should be handled and executed. So if I'm only learning that and I can help my friends, 
I don't want to use the word cut corners because we don't do that, but to get the proper insight to where they don't have to make dumb mistakes, where they can already mm-hmm. learn without making those mistakes. That's what I want. So whatever they do with that, you know, that's on them, and they know that. Uh, same thing with me. You know, I need to consistently, whether that's my own pride or whether that's, you know, my own sense of self-responsibility, but I know that I have to set the bar for myself all the time. So. Mm. Any advice that you would give to an up-and-coming talent in the area? Because you've done what many people have been working 10 years to accomplish, and you've done it in a short amount of time. Yeah. Well, part of it is I would say, like, if the truth hurts, change it. That's my big advice on mm. everything. I think, oh, I don't like my body. Well, change it. I don't like, you know, oh, I'm not, I'm not fast enough. Change it. I don't like the way I look here. Well, then change it. If you really want something, you'll get it. But a lot of people will say it and they won't do the work that it, that, that it takes to be put in because it's too hard. And once you already accept that something is too hard on the way to the journey, you're never mm-hmm. going to get to the finish line. There's no yeah. way. Um, so surround yourself with people who care. If you want to be on TV, you want to wrestle the top guys, you want to do, you want to be a household name, whatever the case is, if that's your goal, then you've got to surround yourself with those people who are either doing it or on their way to doing it. And that's how you come up. You know, I know that I'm very gifted in the, in, the, in the case of that I was at the right place at the right time and I was the right guy. Um, I have a different look than most people on the scene right now in terms of our area. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I have a different style. I have a different attitude. I have a different mindset. That's what's marketable. It has nothing to do with my experience and my skill set, technically. You know what I'm saying? I'm still learning so much stuff in terms of psychology, in terms of execution, in terms of movement. But there's something that I'm doing that they believe that they are okay to sign off on. And what I'm, and what I believe that is is not just the work ethic. It's the realization that if I believe I'm supposed to be here, then I'm going to be there. Mm-hmm. And I need my and I want my boys to feel that way first because I know how good they are, and I and I know that they can. If once they have that, they just have that click, and that that light bulb goes off where they're like, when they realize that they can do more, and then they go ahead and do more. That's how that's how it goes. Because if you don't put in the work, somebody else is right behind you. you know what I mean, most people, yeah. most people they don't talk about; it, they just do it. And that's a very very valuable lesson that I learned. Don't say it, do it. Yeah, put those words into action. Uh, what do you want to do? What is in your future plans? Everyone's goal, man. I mean, my goal was to be in WrestleMania. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the goal. Um, how early did method. that become the goal? I mean, the first thing I saw, man, I, I was at a. It was like a house party at my, you know, my house and like a family party. It was whack, so I went to my back room, closed the door. I was just like trying to turn on the TV. I couldn't find the remote, so I had to press the button. And uh, I was wrestling. Wrestling was on when it was SmackDown was on UPN. No, like, that's that's what mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Cena came out and started rapping to Rhino or the FBI or something like that. But I just saw this dude, man, cool, had like you know sick jersey, like just he didn't, he was just rapping, like he was jacked, like just talking shit, like it was funny, but it was cool, like. And then he beat him up. I was like, "What?" I was like, "What is this?" And then, 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 ever since then, I was hooked because I always thought it was in that TV room. So I kept going on that TV room every night until I figured <laughs> it out that it was wrestling. And then I go to Blockbuster, get some get some tapes over there. I remember like I only knew 2003 SmackDown. That's the only thing I knew. I didn't know Raw existed. I didn't know anything else existed. So when my mom, I asked my mom to give me a wrestling tape. She brought back the 1997 Royal Rumble. I said, "What the hell is this?" I didn't know what anybody was. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what was good. But it was just awesome in like the weirdest way. Like I really didn't know much. But I knew that's what I wanted to do for some reason. 
I was just like, this is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is what I'm doing. And that was it forever. So I guess since like maybe like eight, seven, eight years eight old. Years old. I That's guess. fucking awesome. That's yeah. awesome. When did you uh, discover the independence scene? When I got in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, for real though. Like, honestly, the only thing I do outside of WWE was I knew who, I knew who, Go- I knew who Sting was. And I saw Nick Mondo get thrown off a roof in CZW. That's the only. That's the only clips I saw. And Loki versus Red. Those were the only. Those were the only things I, I I knew of. And I knew backyard wrestling existed, but I didn't really know about the independence like at all. And now you're working with companies like CZW, and they've created a name around that hardcore wrestling. But you know, is that something you want to do in the future? More hardcore stuff. Um, I like to put it in terms of like, does the risk match the reward? You know what I'm saying? I'm about money. You know what I mean? You know, people can say whatever they want. Um, but if the risk matches the reward, I'll do it the payoff. You know what I'm saying? If it was a big, if it was a big payoff for a match, yeah, I'd do a crazy hardcore match if it made sense to what we're doing. If it, if it helped build the story arc, if it made sense to the fans, if it made the fans, you know what I mean, if it was, if it was genuinely like organic and how it came about, I would do it. Um, other than that, um, no, <laughs> like, I, like why would I want that? You know what I mean? Like, I, don't know. I, I just you know, I want to I want to put on a show, but I also want to have it make sense for whatever I'm doing. I think there's a time and place for for everything. I don't look down on people that do it. Um, in fact, I respect them for the hell out of them. This year was my first time going to tournament of death and just seeing deathmatch hardcore wrestling live, mm-hmm. um, and that was that was crazy to watch, bro. Especially going in the back later after the adrenaline wears off, talking to some of these guys. Is, uh, there's definitely a different type of passion that I didn't grow up having. So I think that's where the disconnect is with hardcore wrestling and deathmatch wrestling for me. And a, what a better platform to go from CZW than to MLW. So you mentioned that, you know, getting signed, they recognize something in you. I was there for your debut, man. It was an insane moment for me inside because it kind of felt like it's one of our guys, you know, there. I wasn't expecting it. And then when you came out and it was someone completely different, I was like, Wow, what is he gonna do? He threw the the green mist. It was like you had a whole new, different gear on, different attitude. And I'm like, this is interesting. So, how did the character get approached to you? Um, so the idea they had initially was to bring me in, and they weren't really sure exactly what they wanted. There was a lot of different ideas. You know, you know, they saw me from from beyond, and shout out Drew Cordero and the entire Beyond family because they're. they're they have a special place for me, but they, they 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 saw me doing. I guess my move set. They saw my look. Um, I'm pretty much the only Asian wrestler in in the tri-state. I think that aspect caught their eye. The fact that I speak English, um, I think that matters to a mm-hmm. point because that's another another element of a minority there. And and I think they just like the the whole the the age too. I think they they like that I was young. Um, and are not really known, so they can kind of build me in that image type deal. Uh, then they approached me with uh, with Country Unit. And I didn't really know what Country Unit was. I didn't really know what MLW. I said I didn't really know the independence or the or the other professional um, circuits out there. Really, yeah. I had to kind of start from square one and look at the entire storyline of what it was. And then I was really in, into how they were building MLW, the whole company as a whole, and and all these things. And they they told me how they wanted me to be. They said I'm going to be. Um, like a pit fighter that they found, that they hired, you know, an assassin, ninja, but also I'm still me. So it was very hard. It's still very hard to uh, 
to really encapsulate what their image of what they want in and to and to make me comfortable with adding myself intertwined with all that to make it natural. I think that's the key point is to make it natural because fans can see through right mm-hmm. away if you're, if you're not feeling the gimmick or, or you're or you're forging something that that isn't there. So for me, the big the big challenge was to come into a storyline, be a part of a group because I know it always happens when you add when you add new members, the group falls apart and no one cares about the group anymore. Yeah, you, know, you see that with every with every group. So the fact that I wasn't in the original set of it made me a little nervous because I knew I had to do a little bit more. But the guys I have around me, uh, you know, Simon Gotch, who is more helpful than I could have ever imagined, a really, really good man, uh, awesome. Sheik, Joseph Samael, another one, an OG who I really wanted to impress. I really wanted to prove my value to him because, again, he's from the old school, man. You know, you had to earn your keep. You know, here's this kid coming in from New York two years in, and he's on television, and he's, you know, it's, you know he better not act like he's supposed to be. Type thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I had to really earn my keep with him. And then Fatu, who's, uh, we connect on a lot of levels. We connect on a street level. We connect on a, on a, on a heart to heart level. He's, he's, he's someone who, again, is, is also learning, um, but has so much good people around him, obviously, that, uh, that he just has such a cool mind for it. And I, and watching him switch gears from us chilling and drinking in the back, you know, out, you know, at, like after a show. And then just realizing that, like six hours before that, he was in the main event tearing it up with with with, with, uh, with L.A. Park. Mm-hmm. Like those types of people, I'm having Loki. I and I owe a lot to him breaking things down for me, um, taking an interest in me, putting me under his under you know wisdom tree. I like to say because he didn't have to. He could just let me fade out. If you know what I mean. There's a respect level there where um, I owe a lot to I owe a lot to him, and uh, he's been awesome. He's been awesome since day one. Uh, Court Bauer himself. I mean, he, you know, he saw me. Uh, George Carroll. You know, I can go on forever. All good people. And I think being around these locker rooms where everybody cares, where everybody wants to be at the top, mm-hmm. that's the environment you need. Like, you don't want to be the hardest worker in the room. You know, you go to some indie shows and there's people, like, picking their nose. There's people outside smoking cigarettes. There's people who are coming in late with, like, McDonald's. Like, there's just a lot of things where it's, like, it's just not the vibe that you care, that you, that you want, you know? Um, it's not the professionalism you want. You know, you go to a show, you see there's people who, like, they want to make sure that no one has the same finish, that no one has the same moves in their shine, that makes sure no one has, like, like they're very articulate about making the entire performance amazing, the entire show different. All you know, all, all, all of those reasons, for example, to be at MLW is, is, is a gift because I'm, I'm learning so much all at once. So it's just got to be, you know, be as much of a sponge as you can to absorb all that knowledge and then pass it down to the people that matter. You know what I mean? You you mentioned a lot of people who you're under that learning tree. What is the one piece of advice that you have gotten in the last few years that has stuck with you till still to this day? Oh man, um, there's no such thing as a stupid question. I know it's kind of it's kind of cliche because right, like when you care about something, you mm-hmm. won't ask a dumb question. You know, there's a lot of people who ask questions because oh. Oh, uh, you know, oh, this is this is somebody important. I'm just gonna ask him a question so he thinks that I care. Like, no, there's and people see right through that. There's there's questions to ask because you're genuinely curious about the product and the overall um, outcome and the overall performance. And then there's also then there's questions to ask because you don't know what to say. When you prove when you're and also that actually speak louder than words. You know, yes, they brought me in. Yes, they had. Yes, they invested in me. Yes, they signed me to a deal. Blah blah blah. But if I don't perform, if I don't execute, that that all that means nothing. I have to keep, you know, earn your keep. You're only as good as your last match. You're only as good as your last performance in anything. 
you know, um, so you want to make sure that you can uh, deliver and be reliable and making sure that, uh, you know, to be a team player and, uh, and take care of yourself, too. So it sounds like it's a it's a group of people working together to achieve a goal. And a lot of times you, you think about professional wrestling and you think about me. It's the individuals who try and get themselves over. But it sounds like MLW is more like a, a family, a group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the beyond people are kind of like that, too. Uh, yeah. CCW is like that too. Yeah, I've been blessed. Um, and then FTW, I've met some of the best friends I've ever had. You know, uh, so again, you know, I, I haven't been all over uh, yet. Um, but the places that I've been to, I think I've been very blessed to be at those at those places at these times because they really help mold um, how I envision wrestling and how I like to carry out myself throughout it with with with, with fellow workers and, and fans. You mentioned uh, your influence uh, through martial arts. Is there anything else, any other kind of sport that has influenced you throughout the years? Um, not really. Um, I, honestly, like martial arts is, is, is a big deal. And also just for, you know, just from the streets too, just growing up and, and, and fighting for, you know, you know, fighting for what you want, you know, type of thing. Uh, Where did you grow up? That's just, uh, I, grew, I grew up in Bowman, uh, Bowman uh, New York. Um, mm-hmm. It's out. It's out in Long Island, and uh, you know, I I I I, I had a good home. Uh, it was just it was just my personal choices that that I made, um, things that I fell into, things that I've done, and uh, yeah, just you know, things that uh, I, I you know I used to regret, and now I realize that they're just lessons. Uh, they kind of molded me who I am, my attitude towards life, and how I treat people, and I guess how how I how I might come off to other people too. Hindsight, yeah, definitely, man. I think you look back at your adolescent years, growing into yourself and becoming the man that you are, you made the bad experience at the time and say, yeah, well, at least I learned something from it. What are some of those bad experiences that in the moment you were like, wow, this this is trouble. This is probably the worst thing I could have done. Well, you know, getting into fights, um, you know, going to jail. Um, You've been to jail? Yeah. Um, For what? A few things, you know, um, you know, fighting you know, um, affiliations with things that I shouldn't have been with. Um, uh, you know, just, 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 just being dumb, man, honestly. Um, and not having my eye on the prize, you know, um, the problem was I did really well in school and, um, I was able to get away with a lot more than I should have, whether it was with the courts or that was with, uh, with schools because I'd have straight A's because my attitude towards school was, let me not get straight A's. It was, let me show these teachers that I know more than them. Mm. type of thing you know um that was my attitude towards it so if i was coming here now we have you know an a on a test and i know i didn't study what that meant you know meant that i was right it had nothing to do with oh i wasn't thinking oh that's going to be good because you're going to have to get into good schools it wasn't that it was just i know more than this teacher mm-hmm. and that's just how i felt you are a very smart guy you're actually pursuing a master's in in social work is the reason that you're still pursuing an education is like a backup plan to wrestling well, um, it's a little bit of all that, you know, um, I signed up for my master's program, uh, over the summer and about two weeks later I got signed by MLW. That was something where it was okay. Maybe if things don't really pop off, you know, I gotta be able to support myself, you know, with my girl now too, like, you know, I want to be able to support myself and, uh, and I needed a purpose to do other things. I always wanted to either help people wrestle. That's all I wanted to do. 
social work, specific area that I want to be with is troubled youth and teens, because that was me. You know, I was able to find the light, see it, pursue it, and achieve it. And I want to be able to speak on kids firsthand, let them know that it's possible, and and uh, and try to help them. And and you know, you got to get a degree to do it. So it was something that I was interested in, something I wanted to do. And uh, and wrestling, doing both at the same time, is not easy. You know, especially finals week is coming up. I got uh, this surgery coming up. You know, I had a couple of dates lined up. You know, we were ending up the year for CWK death. You know, late late December, had MLW early December, and little things in between, and and again and and, and finals. So uh, it was a lot, but it's all again like you know every, everyone's plates full in their own way. And I mean, mine is to I guess to someone else hearing it, it's pretty ridiculous, and it is like I see that you know not really sleeping, you know, doing a, an unpaid internship all day, and then right after that going to class, then going to the gym or going to train, and then doing homework after waking up and doing it all over again and then flying wow. to a city, flying to a city, bringing the homework with you, studying wow. for a test on the plane, you know, turning in a, turning in a paper while I have a pay-per-view match that day. Fuck. And then I got to fly back, fly back to the next flight back home, go to the internship from the flight. Cause I get home then and then go to class right after that. You know, it's not, you know, it's not easy. Bro, um, I, I, I would I, complain about my schedule. You just floored me with the amount of shit that you got to do. I'm literally, I can't complain anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is though, man. It's just, it's, it's just, it's, it, it's good to be busy, man. Cause if you're not busy. You do, you do dumb things. Right. Right. You're part of this whole culture. This it's, I mean, we say it time and time again, you know, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan um, because there's so many options. There's so many things to see. Does it feel weird sometimes that it's not just a, a good time to be a wrestling fan, but it's kind of a good time to be a wrestler and you being part of the changes going on and being given these opportunities to really put wrestling on the map. How does that feel for you? It's awesome, man. I mean, none of my friends, like really, I have like a select few baby and I can literally count on one hand. A select few of friends that actually grew up watching wrestling, continued to watch wrestling and all are wrestling fans. No one else that I'm cool with, is a wrestling fan. Like none, they like my stuff. They don't come to my shows. You know what I mean? Like they don't, they don't watch me on TV. They don't look at me on YouTube. Like they like my stuff on Instagram and all that stuff. But like, they don't watch wrestling. What's crazy is certain things that I've been showing them. It's been hooking them to where they actually follow some wrestling pages, not to mm-hmm. see what's going on, but just, to, just things that just a quick clips on, on your feed of just moves because wrestling has been so crazy lately. And there's so much exposure, just like everything, politics, Sports, you know, there's world news like wrestling too. Like wrestling is worldwide, and you get to see it, and it's in small doses, like tolerable doses. You don't got to watch a 20 minute match if you're not into wrestling. You don't got to watch a promo with bad acting. You don't got to watch like, but you can watch a Canadian Destroyer all day. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, you know, you can watch a Shooting Star Press all day. You could watch Pac do whatever he does. You know, you can watch these guys do all these things. You can watch the Lucha Bros. You can watch. You can watch Fat Two do hundred and ten pounds, do a spaceman over the over the top rope like it's nothing. Like you like you're that's nothing but entertainment. So in a way I feel that because it is so because that's kinda of what it is now, it's kinda of very like fast, oh that was cool, that was cool, that was cool, you know, type of thing. Um mm-hmm. I think it appeals to more people and I think it's getting so much more credibility worldwide, especially now that there's a lot of professional athletes that are crossing over. I think that it's just becoming more respected. I think it's always gonna be like sports you know redheaded stepchild but at the same time i think it's still getting more recognition for being a legit sport because especially 
if everyone is a walking billboard for how real and how dedicated you can be in professional wrestling. You know, if I walk around with a black eye, when I walk around on crutches because I pop my knee out, mm-hmm. when, you, when you, 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 you can't walk, you know, you're limping a little bit when you uh, have a broken bone, whatever the case is, because your people who see you are wrestling fans go, oh, well, that's legit. Like, yeah, it's legit. Watch this. And everyone kind of defends the business for themselves. And I think that because there's so many people that are doing it now, I think the exposure is just consistently there. Everyone just knows what wrestling is again now. It's it's really weird because we, we started this podcast about three years ago now. We look back at it and I remember having this conversation with Michael J. Putty and saying, yo, we got this podcast at the right time. Like wrestling couldn't be any hotter. A year goes yeah. by and we're like, yo, how great is wrestling right now? And now three years go by and I can't believe how every year there's more growth and there's more exposure to it and there's more opportunities for people and more people are doing more things. And I'm like, I, and I don't see it slowing down, bro, at all. No, I do not it doesn't. See it I mean, down. you see like, and even for like the loyal, like the really loyal fans and stuff like that, like, you know, this past week in Survivor Series, you watched Matt Riddle pin Randy Orton at Survivor Series. You know, we're seeing so many things that are, there's so many dream matches that are coming up, you know, from a fan perspective. That, you know, at least, like, you know, I'm seeing people that, that I was on shows with, things that I've, you know, I've built, you know, helped big, build a ring for, possibly, you know what I'm saying, or just been around. Uh, not that I really build rings. Um, Danero, Danero's going to laugh when he hears this. <laughs> I don't build rings at all. I don't, I don't do it. Um, but, uh, uh, in general, you know, just seeing people that, uh, that we were around ready to bump and shows with on these main stages. Like it's awesome to watch because it, you know, it increases hope, but it also just, it's just to bring the tear to your eyes somewhat because it's like people that you care about and that you actually like on a personal level are making it to where they, where they want to be. So, um, but that's, that's part of breaking into the business, right? Building rings. That's what they say, man. That's a big thing. Know. It's a big, big know. thing. That's, not, that's a big thing. <laughs> if people wanted to keep, track of your progression on your recovery where can we follow you on all your social media uh you can follow me on on twitter at that uh at, at akira kwan on twitter on uh instagram and facebook uh at tristan Tyler. and that don't follow me because i'm going to kick you in the face probably <laughs> if you follow me too close follow me on social media That's... um i mean i'm not weird though you can dm me and ask you can just ask me you know what I'm, saying? I'm not weird i don't I don't turn people away like that, you know. You know, um, I was actually very surprised at how many people actually reached out. Because to me, it's not a big deal. It was just me letting people know that I'm not going to do X, X, Y, and Z shows because I'm hurt. I didn't expect the uh, the amount of people to reach out to ask how I was doing. Or if I needed shout out to all the people who uh, who reached out for that, because that's awesome. One of the things I respect about like the your social media page is it's it's pretty real. Like I don't think they're like you see a lot of professional wrestlers social media pages and it's like their gimmick it's them promoting their next show them promoting their matches but you look at yours it it is who you are it's a little bit of who you are in your personal life it's a little bit of what you're doing it's a little bit of your wrestling stuff um i don't see that that clear line of you know hey this is just inside just my wrestling page you know is that something you did strategically or it's just you don't care uh, I think it's both. I mean, there's like there is the only real line between Tristan Ty and like me is the fact that like I usually keep my shirt on when I fight. Actually, actually, I mean, like, it's, it's really just a name change, man. Like that's me. Um, I think I'm very lucky that I figured that out early on. I think that was the real like uh, the connection point between the character and and doing the moveset and making it feel real and natural because uh, to like everything that I do in the ring. 
you know, from Tristan Ty, that's 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 just that's just me. And I think that was very helpfully guided by people like you know people like Kono, um, who um, who were just like you know just just be you. I was like, oh, all right, you know, what I mean, I was trying to think of a character to think of this or that. Well, just be yourself. Thank you so much, Tristan, for joining us on this episode. One last question I have to ask. If we were to get together in a year from now, what would you want people to be saying about Tristan Ty? I should have bought his T-shirt with another $25. <laughs> and on that note, thank you so much for joining us on A Shot of Wrestling. But stick around because we still have Last Call. Man, I appreciate you, man. Thank you, man. What's going on, everybody? Let's wrap up this interview with Shadow of Wrestling. Stay tuned to the after the episode because you're going to hear a little bit of Last Call. It's time for this week's TV Takedown. Wow. Um, you know, I got to say, you know, I, I said before we've had our encounters with Tristan Ty. He's obviously he's in good spirits. Good spirits, always a class act. Yeah, and I I actually do wish him nothing but the best because you know what? He's only two years in. Only two years. That's amazing. I, right? I actually didn't know that until later on. Did I? And uh, you know, I do wish him nothing but the best in MLW. He is a fantastic talent, fantastic performer. I've seen him in the ring. Yeah, we had the pleasure of seeing him several times. Yeah, in various promotions here in the Tri-State area. And uh, to see him now in MLW, fantastic. Yeah. Only two, like I said, only two years in. Yeah, I know. I, he's got a great, bright future ahead of him. So, Tristan Ty, it pains me to say it, but I wish you the best. Yeah, let's talk about some TV. Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Impact, AEW, whole bunch of TV this week. All the fallout from Survivor Series weekend. What is your takeaway this week? My takeaway is actually Seth Rollins, Monday Night Raw. Okay. Um, you know one. what? He seems so much more comfortable in this position being a heel. It, it was great to finally see. It seems like he was like kind of just being himself. And I, I have actually heard about fans interacting with Seth Rollins, and it wasn't the best of experiences. Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I, heard about, I heard about Randy Orton. Oh, Randy Orton. Yeah, of yeah. course. But, you know, so let Seth be Seth. That was a great turn. It was a great turn. It was awesome. Because it stuff- wasn't really a turn. Right. But it was a turn. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And the, the stuff he said was just awesome. He, how he just hit on every single person. And um, I dug it, dude. I dug it. A good job, Seth Rollins. And, you know, watch. Watch. Now the fans get behind him again. Dave Meltzer said they're equating it to the heel turn of Bret Hart in 1997. Ooh. Okay. I could see that. Where he thinks what he's doing is right and the fans are being unfair. But you know what? That's a great heel, though. Like, no bad guy. So he's going to wrestle the baby face. Yeah. But still be a heel. That's perfect. I'm excited about that. Yeah. No bad guy should ever view themselves as the bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, they should believe in what they're Except doing. Except Razor Ramon, because right. he's oozing machismo. <laughs> of course. Well, fair enough. But, you know, I think that Seth is going to really thrive in this role. And I and I cannot wait to see this feud between it's different directions. Yeah, because if you think about it, there's no real top heel on Raw. No, Brock Lesnar. Who? <laughs> we're we're going to see him until January, right? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess there really isn't like a big Especially now that heel. I'm kind of getting, what, face vibes from Drew McIntyre? No. Okay, good. I don't want that. I'm not feeling I'm not seeing but that, I'm, really. Sudden, I'm just getting that weird vibe from him lately. How so? 
the way the matches he's in, the people he's wrestling, and like the way he came out, the whole United States Championship thing. Hmm. Can we talk about the United States Championship thing? Why did Randy Orton interfere in that match? Because um, he's a face now, and he wants to screw AJ Styles. But why? I get, since when is he a face? I feel like he's always like every time I see him like, turn on TV, he's either face one week and he's a heel the next week. No, like, it was slightly building with the whole stuff going on with Ricochet. Hmm. I guess now he's officially a face now, which is boring. Like again, Randy Orton as a face is boring, and I don't like Randy Orton as a face. But whatevs. I guess they need faces, which they don't. They need heels. But yeah, Randy Orton's a great heel, one of the best ever. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd go and go ahead and say that on the record. One of the best faces ever? No, not even no. close. Yeah. No, I guess he doesn't like being a face. No, and he's not good at it. No. But whatever. Uh, my thing on Raw was Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy's back. Oh, yeah. Matt Hardy, everyone. But as Team Extreme Matt Hardy, not broken or woken or stroking. I don't know what the fuck you want to Broken? I don't know. What... That's a bad one. <laughs> uh, don't know what's going on. Apparently, Vincent does not like the broken, woken stuff. Because it's not his. Yeah. I'm hoping Matt Hardy. I like to see Matt Hardy on my TV. I knew he was getting fed to whoever he got fed to, but whatever. Oh, yeah. It's good to see Matt Hardy back. Watched a little bit of NXT. Didn't watch the whole thing, so I can't really talk about NXT too much, but props to them for winning the whole Survivor Series thing. SmackDown. All I heard about, the new face of the Firefly Funhouse. Okay. Rumors are it's going to be a woman. Okay. Rumors are it's going to be Liv Morgan. Okay. Liv Morgan's cool. I don't, I don't think he needs a woman. I don't think he needs another character. That makes no sense, but okay. Who am I to judge? Well, it's because of that um, that design that came out on Twitter. Yeah. Well, okay. It was, it was uh, supposed to be like a, a new for the new character for Bray Wyatt. Yeah. Okay. It may have been like a, a tease on purpose. Actually. Maybe pro- probably, maybe a new puppet. But I don't see how Liv Morgan fits in here. But want to introduce a woman? Okay. He doesn't. Well, need... that, that was just fan speculation because of the fact that Liv Morgan. But he doesn't need nothing going on. He doesn't need anybody else on his side right now. No. He These doesn't. guys are they're working the ground he walks on. What? Is anyway, deal. so that, I'm promising a new face to the Firefly Funhouse. What happens? He introduces this new belt. Apparently, that's the new face of the Firefly Funhouse. Until the end of SmackDown, where he told Daniel Bryan he promised us a new face for the Firefly Funhouse. He comes up from the ring, sucks Daniel Bryan underneath the ring to the bowels of hell, as I was to say, Adishadera, and starts coming up with clumps of fistfuls of hair. So now, obviously, Daniel Bryan is the new face of the Firefly Funhouse. Mm-hmm. So now, for the first time, I can say, all right, I'm kind of interested now. Wow, I did not see this coming. Not because of Bray Wyatt, because now I'm curious, what is Daniel Bryan going to look like now? I mean, he's going to look like probably Lex Luthor when he retired. No, he's got to be completely clean shaven. Bray Wyatt's got to pull all that hair out. I don't know. So now I'm curious. Now I'm invested. Like, what's going to happen here? Now I'm curious to see what happens next week just because of... Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan for the first time ever. You got me. Congratulations. <laughs> well, that's... That was well done. The way he brought him in and starts throwing clumps of hair out of the bottom. That's of the something top. we've never seen before. Never. And the way that he said new face, now we're like, oh, shh. He, that's the new face. Right. Now I'm curious to see what Daniel Bryan looks like now. You got to say, man, Bray Wyatt is great with psychology. Yeah. That's something he's always been with. Yeah. It's just well done. And, and it's he... a shame he's wasting on a shitty gimmick, but it's fine. A shitty gimmick? How is this a shitty gimmick? I, I think this is one of the better gimmicks I've seen. Did I, did I mention the intro chat? The Daniel Bryan versus Bray Wyatt was the most boring matches in Survivor Series history. How is it boring? How is it boring? 
That match was. Let's save some time. That match Let's, was. How's ex- it not boring? That match was exactly what it served to be. It was. It was. He no sold everything. That's his character. It's boring. Wait, when the Undertaker no sold a, a stuff when early on his career was that boring? That was part of his character. It's different. How is it different? It's different. That's not different. It's different. It's not different at all. It's the same thing. How he was not champion. Undertaker he was champion at one point. But he wasn't champion with doing the whole no-selling thing. There was a kink in his armor. Early in his career, he was... That was early in his career, he, uh, he no-sold. He did yep. win a championship early in his career. Not that early. It was pretty early. It was within, like, what, the first year? Not in the first three months? Four months of this freaking... Well, Bray Wyatt has been around for quite some time. Not the Fiend. Not the Fiend, I'll give you that. <sighs> it's, so, it's just so... Oh, okay, whatever. Oh, so now I can predict next month's matches. Dana Bryan hits him with everything. He gets up. He struggles for a little bit. He gets up. Boom. He wins. Same match I saw at Crown Jewel. Same match I saw at Survivor Series, uh, SummerSlam. Okay. No, Daniel Bryan was telling the story. The, the Yes movement is back. He brought that back. That was okay. cool to see. Great. There was some... You, you, you just, what, do you, what do you want, putty? The what? Miz? The Miz? The Miz. Give me some of the Miz. Well, I thought that was great. That was a great addition right there. This is long-form storytelling. They're obviously not done yeah. with the storyline. So the Miz being involved with this is a great addition. I cannot wait to see what happens now with the Miz. Is Miz and Dana Bryan are they going to form an alliance now? Is something going to happen to Miz from Bray Wyatt's end? It's going to pump up Dana Bryan even more. What's going to happen? Is the Miz going to come save Dana Bryan? Like, there's a lot of questions now that are going to be played out. And I cannot wait to see. The fact that the Fiend's undestroyable. It's just like... Oh, you know he's going to get beat somehow, some way. I'm curious to see how it happens and who does it. You know what's happening? When he does, fans are going to boo the crap out of it. No, it's not. Because only if they do it right. They have to do it right. They can't do it right away. It's got to be some sort of build. It's got to be something special. And I I hope to God the the writers don't fuck this up. Because when he does get beat, it's going to be fucking amazing. And then I'm curious to see how Bray Wyatt evolves from there because he know he will. Okay. Whatevs. Wait, oh, my God. War Games. Survivor Series. I was actually home. I watched War Games. I think the first takeover I've watched since I was there in person at MSG a couple years ago. I knew nothing about NXT. My first time watching, actually, War Games. Not too bad. What a good pay-per-view that was. Yeah? What a great pay-per-view. I think Greenman covered it live on our Twitter. He did, Yes. That was great. It was really well done. It wasn't long. I think it was only like four matches. But those matches were fantastic. Can I just say? I think Damian Priest won me over in that. Yeah? Yeah, because I knew nothing about him until the NXT, I think, go-home show before that. Or... Oh, Rick Recon knows a lot about him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, there's something about this guy I like. And then he just won me over in that match. And uh, all great wrestling during this. I want to say something about these NXT guys. Okay. You know, a lot of these guys performed in the War Games matches, the, the, the guys and the girls, and they went on the next night to, yeah. s- to Survivor Series and still stole the fucking show. I think that's what Triple H mentioned either, was it backstage or, uh, on the, I think it was the post-War Games conference call, um, live, Facebook, whatever the fuck he did. They couldn't announce the Survivor Series teams for men and women because they didn't know who would survive War Games. Right. And they probably meant that literally because Lord knows how many injuries can happen in those matches. And give credit to Adam Cole, baby, for taking that bump at the end. Oh, my God. Because all he did was fall back. All Ciampa did was fall back. But he had to trust Ciampa for protecting his neck. Exactly. So I don't know how tight Ciampa had to hold his freaking neck. But that was a huge bump. There's no padding in the bottom. No. 
there was nothing. They fell off the stage and fell into a bunch of boxes. And he delivered a great match with oh. Pete Dunne. Uh, the Robert next series. freaking night. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, all fantastic. Everyone that performed the War Games performed the next night. Kudos. You've yeah. earned the respect of not me, not just Putty, but I think the whole wrestling community and, and everyone involved in wrestling. I mean, my God, that was just fantastic. I'm going to repeat, repeat myself. I, uh, Willie Mack won me over in Lucha Underground. You know who Willie Mack is? I, the name yeah. sounds familiar, yeah. He's a big, big, big guy who shouldn't fly around like he does. Okay, I know what you're talking about. But he does. Yeah. Like a cruiserweight. Yeah. And I equated him to Keith Lee. Because it's the uh, same style, build. Yo, Keith Lee. Same build, same athleticism. Like a big heavyweight, but runs around like a cruiserweight. Keith Lee came out as a huge winner from Survivor Series weekend. And not only War Games, but Survivor Series. This guy, Keith Lee, fantastic. You know who surprised me the most? Or like, not necessarily surprised me the most, but like was impressed me the most, I should say. Okay. Rhea Ripley. Oh, and okay. I, I said it for Survivor Series week leading up to it with uh, her performance on NXT and SmackDown, and even just, like, you know, her um, her one-on-one with with Becky Lynch, her back and forth with her. But, man, Survivor Series weekend? Holy shit. Dude, I knew this girl was special, but, my God, I think the whole world now knows how fucking special she is. Like Last week, you put it, she's only 23. Only 23. And Trish Jazz even said she's the future of the women's division. Absolutely. I, I think Bully Ray, um, Bubba Ray, Said the same thing. I mean, this this woman, she is a superstar. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. She's definitely the future of the women's division. I I think maybe her time might even be now. You know, you just got to ride that ride that momentum hot. Now, is there a difference between Raw, SmackDown, main roster, and NXT? Is there a difference? Like, what do you mean? Is there any call up now? Is there? Uh, if you're on NXT, are you? Well, I mean, the, the plan was apparently for Shayna Baszler to go in 2020, but now after the Survivor Series main event, Vince was very disappointed. Yeah, in it. there is no NXT is not the third brand anymore. No, I mean they made it very. So if you go from NXT to Raw, you're not getting called up. You're just going to a different show. They made it very clear that uh, NXT is very important to them, mm-hmm. and the way they built it. What do we say? NXT has to be built strong. And they were. I thought NXT and SmackDown had to pick up victories, and they did. Right. I thought Bailey should have won that match, but they were saying, oh, if SmackDown wins, we tie. There's not going to be a tie, so we knew Bailey wasn't going to win. But, you know, I, I need to see the ratings. What were the ratings for AEW and NXT this week? It didn't come out yet, right? I'm sure they did. I didn't. I didn't because it's the holidays. I didn't pick them up. Probably the holidays yeah. played it, but. I'm curious to see what, what that looks like. I'm curious, too. I'm assuming if AEW lost, we would have heard it by now. Someone would have tweeted about it. But anyway. But you know, I just want, I'm curious to know because of the NXT fallout. I want to see like how many people are now tuning into NXT. You know, because they did beat AEW the week before. Yeah, because they had a hell of a they did have a hell of a go home show. I mentioned last week. Maybe this is the momentum they need to right, yeah. right. And the way they finished Survivor Series weekend, I wouldn't be surprised if they hit over a mil. Really, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat AEW again and and hit over a mil. Yeah, no, not yet. Right. But anyway, moving on. I like going to the Hall of Fame. I like watching the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. As a big wrestling fan, I like seeing how these characters, these men I've watched growing up, how they started. Hearing them out of character. Hearing them how they got their start. How they formed their character. Not only the Hall of Fame, but interviews, the Stone Cold podcast, all, all these specials on the, the network. There's one guy who never goes to the Hall of Fame is The Undertaker because he never wants to break his character. He's the Daniel Day-Lewis of yeah. wrestling. <laughs> exactly. Well said. 
So when I found out he was going to do an in-depth interview out of character, bro, sign me the hell up. This is something I've always wanted to see. Dude, I got to tell you, my wife, I, I can't stress enough, not a wrestling fan. She stopped what she was doing and watched that whole interview. She was amazed. Because you've seen other characters, other guys out of character during interviews, but never The Undertaker. I'm sure you have here and there. There's a couple times he did one for some Christian church. Not, not too long ago. Right. But for the WWE. On the put, network with Stone out, Cold. Yeah. I think that was another cool thing, too, because it was with Stone Cold. who uh, the, I, I think the, Stone Cold's a great interviewer. The WWE never acknowledges yeah. Mark Galloway. It's always the dead man. The dead man, yeah, exactly. He's never at the Hall of Fame. Right. The scene out of character is one something I was always looking forward to, and this did not disappoint. This is my biggest takeaway from the week, TV takeaway. And I actually wish it was longer. It was one of the longest interviews done. They had to cut it down for TV. I want to see what hit the cutting room floor. Oh, yeah, right? Like I, That's one they, book I would love to read. They can definitely like split that up. Yeah. But um, now Undertaker was fascinating. Oh, and you know what stood out surprised. about me? It's like, dude, he is so smart. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He is so smart. Like Because he, he really did own that, own that gimmick. And he really did. He knew when to change the gimmick. He knew when he had to evolve it. It was getting stale, he, yeah. He knew when to go back to it. And the, the biggest thing that, that that stuck with me was the less is more. Because he was talking about all the stuff he could do athletically. Mm-hmm. Yes, we had slowed down his... He had to slow it down. Because as mean Mark Calloway, he was... Or the tight Towers or the Twin Towers, wherever yeah. he was. He was high flying, jump off the top rope. Right. But as the Undertaker... It wouldn't work. He had to slow that shit yeah, down. Yeah, he had to slow down. He, he used like a Michael Myers pace, mm-hmm. which... Yeah, I mean, that fit the character 100%. And I, I also lo- loved... And I, I could have guessed it too. Um, the person that he go he, that he went to, yeah, is Jake the Snake Roberts. A master. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have guessed that, but I wasn't surprised. A by master of psychology, and that's exactly what you need for this character is to be a master of psychology. If you have not seen the Undertaker, Broken Skull Sessions, definitely check it out. It's a must watch for anybody, any wrestling fan to see the Undertaker out of character. I think wrestlers should watch this as well. If, yeah. if you're in the wrestling industry or you're thinking about joining the wrestling industry, I think this is something you need to watch because, my God, the, the the stuff that he goes over, like, this, it should be a master class. Yeah, master class. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. I mean, I'll have to watch this again. I, I totally would. Yeah. Let's do it right now. Okay. Let's do the three count first. Okay. Oh, yeah. We have a three count. Yeah, I think so. We have the rest of the show to do, right? <laughs> it's time for the three count. All right, Mark. Talk about Lana and Rusev and Bobby Lashley earlier. You know, you know, we didn't talk about before Batista and Dana Brooke. All right, cut me off. Go ahead, go for it. I mean, how, how do you feel about this, putty? Lucky some bitch. Both of them. <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> I, I'm surprised you didn't bring this up during the news. Like, basically, we're seeing a, a live Tinder session on Twitter. So jealous about both of them. One of my man crushes is Batista. One of my woman crushes is Dana Brooke. Saw her in person. Beautiful woman. She is a beautiful woman, yeah. And um, I think they could work well together. You told me as we left last week's show that David Batista is broken up. He's single again. When I just saw earlier in the day that he's in a relationship, I'm like, what the fuck happened? But now he's single. I think they would work. They look. They would look great together. That'd same, be a, mu- a very muscular couple. Same mentality. Same worth ethic in the gym wise. Beautiful babies. Oh, dude, they ain't even going their first date yet. And, you, uh, you're giving them babies. I'm a little hard right now. Yeah. <laughs> So, girls, are just the both of them. And uh, well, we don't know yet. We don't know yet if, if they're I, going if they're going on a date or if not. If you need the wedding covered, 
hit me up at Monday Party or inbox com. We'll see what happens. So in honor of them, all these couples we're talking about, you mentioned you want to talk about wrestling couples. Yeah. My first question to you, on screen or off screen? You mentioned both. They <laughs> both. Fuck it. Caution to the one who cares. Right. So number three, the floor is yours. All right. So um, I to interrupt you because last week we had the same top three in different orders. I'm just looking forward to see what your top three is. I have no <laughs> clue what you're thinking here. Okay. So I really love them as a couple, man. I, I think they're hilarious. Um, they're they're kind of opposites, but kind of similar at the same time. And your mom? I'll walk off right now. No, you won't. Fuck you, Dick. You have my keys. That's right. <laughs> Dana Bryan and Brie Bella. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, I, I As an on-screen or off-screen couple? Both. Okay. I, um, I really love that angle, actually, when they fought Ms. and Maurice together. Okay. I thought that was really cool. You know, Daniel Bryan helping Brie Bella uh, uh, with her new ring set, her new uh, move set, I should mm-hmm. say. Uh, that was cool. Um, then watching them on Total Divas and Total Bellas, and even listening to the podcast, I love how Daniel Bryan does the Bella Brains. They completely support each other. I think they're a really cool couple, and it's their love is definitely genuine. I would hope so. Oh, you know, you see couples every now and then. It's just like, eh, I don't know about that. My number four, because our personal top favorites. Yeah. My pro- I'm going to squeak in number four, Booker T and Charmel. Because I love King Booker. And see the queen, Charmel. I think they just worked well together. It was a great couple together. Number, number three is an on-screen couple. Maybe, I guess, off-screen couple. They provided so much TV entertainment. They were such must-see to watch. You stopped what you were doing to watch them on TV. The rated R superstar. Oh, Edge, I had a feeling you were going to say Lita. I mean, controversy, man. Because that's that, a controversial couple, and that's when Lita got like all like hot and like she was dressing on like clubby clothes and slutty clothes. And is that is that really why you like this couple? I mean, I said, yeah, I saw the smirk. I said, Tommy, I love redheads. <laughs> but just they worked well together. They looked well, good together, and especially for his rated R gimmick. Because Lita wasn't rated R, and then she just morphed into this rated R character. No, you know what? Um, I think they worked very well together. That that was really cool. They did work very well together. The characters gelled. It, it did make you stop and watch. Yeah. Because you actually didn't know what they were going to do next. You never did. And that live sex show? Like, what am I watching here? Right. What am I watching over and over and over and over <laughs> and over and over and over? Um, okay, buddy, we get it. Sorry. Got a little lost, out of control here. But yeah, Lita and Edge, number three. Okay, okay. Number two. For me, um, me and my wife, I, I we kind of I kind of see ourselves as this couple. Okay, I think I know what it is. I'll go for it. Ms. and Maurice. Ms. and Maurice, number two myself. Go for yeah? it. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, man. Do, do you watch the show? Love the show. Oh, my God. It's great. It, it made me fall in love with them on a different level. Yes. Ms. and Maurice have a very similar dynamic that me and my wife have, actually. Oh, okay, yeah. I love their dynamic together. Yeah, and like, when we watch together, it's just like, oh, my God. Like, the stuff that uh, Ms. does, like, she's like, oh, my God, you're so much like him. Yeah. And, like, the way how Ms. kind of, like, pokes fun at him and has that relationship with him, like, oh, my God, she, Michelle, you're you're like her. The way they just call each other and other things, and it, it's just, I yeah. love their dynamic together, yeah. yeah great dynamic. And their story, their, their story, how they got together, it was awesome, too, like. You know, from the diva search mm-hmm. to, to then, just the evolution of their characters and them as individuals. I think that's when Maurice was paired up with uh, Teddy Biasha Jr. Right. And uh, not only, we're talking about Total Divas, I mean, not Total Divas, Ms. Maurice, but on screen, mm-hmm. they're a power couple as well. Yeah. So I think just these couple work well together. You believe that they're in love because they are. Oh, they definitely are. I mean, and then you follow up with their storyline on Ms. And, uh, Ms. and Mrs. And Ms. clearly is such a 
good husband, great father. Great father, great wife, great mother. And you could, yeah. you could tell how much they are in love with each other. Oh, 100%. 100%. If I can find my Maurice, <laughs> hit me up, inbox, shoutoutwrestling.com or at my church party on social media. Let me know. Okay. No, that's cool. So both of us, number two, okay. So number one, I think we're going to agree as well, but go for it. Yeah? All right. Mine is uh, Triple H and Stephanie Triple McMahon. Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, yeah. <laughs> Are you serious? You, you told me you want to do power couple, uh, couples. I'm like, okay. I can't. I think of two. And uh, Triple H, Stephanie, first came to mind. Macho Man, Miss Elizabeth, came second. But then it, we, the whole point of this is personal favorites. Yeah. yeah. And I love Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth. They're, yeah, they're I, the most, I, I love them too. They're the most iconic couple in wrestling history. Yes. But I was still too young to appreciate what's going on. They were, and also, like, well, Lisa Sour Taste is like, it ended pretty bad with them. Not even thinking about that. Yeah. But here we are recording the show Friday, November 29th, 20 years to the day when Triple H and Stephanie got married in Las Vegas. <laughs> happy anniversary. Yeah. So happy anniversary. <laughs> but it's just the way they. I hate to cut you off. So I apologize. No, no, no. It's fine. How this, this couple. Started out as a storyline, yeah, which evolved into real life. And it's cool hearing their interviews and how they talk about it. Yeah, and you can tell again how much they love each other, how much they they're each other's rock and they support each other. Yeah. It just gives me hope. <laughs> and you know, it's amazing because apparently, like you know, Stephanie McMahon is like such a wonderful human being. Oh yeah, outside of WWE, and definitely brings that that side of Triple H. Mm-hmm. And then. You know when uh, when they're together on screen, oh my god, they're like the most villainous couple yeah. in, in the world. It, it, it's amazing. The man, man Helmsley era, but then they could also flip the switch and make you care so much. Mm-hmm. Like when uh, when Randy Orton DDT'd Stephanie McMahon, oh yeah, and kissed right her and kissed her like right in front of Triple H, who was handcuffed. Like oh my god, you felt that, you felt that, man. It was just like holy shit, Triple H is gonna fucking kill you, and I can't wait to see it. And then you, you know the stuff out off screen. Uh, you see the TV appearances. I, one of my favorite interviews I saw was like with both of them, uh, Triple H and Stephanie were and Jimmy Fallon, and they did the they did the karaoke thing. Oh, I see that. So uh, <laughs> Triple H and Stephanie sang uh, the song from um, Moana. Was it uh, uh, Moana? Moana, excuse me. Yeah, dude. It was hilarious. You, you, if you haven't seen it before, you have oh, to check I think it I did now. see the clip. Yeah, yeah, okay. And you can tell, like Triple H obviously knew who words like the back of his hand because he's he is a great dad. From it seems like, do you think he has hopes of one of his daughters carrying his Levesque name, the Triple H name? Maybe, maybe. Yep. I mean, I don't. know. I mean, it, clearly, I mean, the wrestling is in their blood. Yeah, you know these 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 girls are going to grow up w- with wrestling in their blood. A, at least one of them is going to shine somehow, some way, you would think. You would think, right? You know, whether it's on screen or off screen. I don't know. I mean, that would be interesting to see. Yeah, so we agree on the, uh, our top two. I know. Dude, what the hell? I swear to God, yeah. we don't go over this beforehand. This is this just is a shock. No, we don't. We but when, you, when I ask you to give me a topic for a top three, I'm like, you give me an easy topic. I'm like, boom, easy. And then usually we disagree. Right. But in the last couple of weeks, we've agreed, especially last week, for the first time ever, our top three was the same. Right. This week was kind of, okay, you didn't pick Macho Man Miss Elizabeth, because Triple H and Stephanie are so much more superior. 
disagree with me. They are a true power couple, man. Let us know. Inbox shopperson.com. Dial up 649-343-3005 or let us know on our social medias. Yeah, had uh, On Screen, China, Eddie Guerrero. Okay. Uh, Stone Cold, Debra, Off Screen. I don't know if anyone's going to say that. <laughs> um, Brock Lesnar, Sable. Sable. Nikki Bella, John Cena. Nikki Bella, John Cena. Yeah, there's so many couples to go with. But um, <laughs> I, I was going to say one, but that's, that would have been in poor taste. I can edit it out. I don't think you will. I don't trust you. Come on. I was going to say Chris Benoit and... Nah, I went edit it out. Yeah. Like <laughs> You're such a dick. What's our top three? Let us, again, let us know your top personal top three wrestling couples. Mark, you have any going thoughts? Uh, yeah. So someone, a friend of mine, sent me a text. I should load oh, this up right now. Another like a Hulk Hogan Ric Flair question? Kind of. Okay. Tell me to throw the rest of the show then. He said... Uh, <laughs> Send me a text of a screenshot of something on social media saying, I haven't been wrong all decade, and I'm not about to start now. Top 10 wrestlers of the decade, 2010 to 2019. I thought about doing that because our year and awards are coming up. Yeah. Because the end of the decade. So, yeah. That... So, it goes on. Number one, John Cena. Two, Chris Jericho. Three, uh, Hiroshi Tana- Tanashi. No. Uh, four, Roman Reigns. Five, Brock Lesnar. Six, Kazuch- uh, Kazuchika Okada, seven CM Punk, eight Kenny Omega, seven CM Punk, nine AJ Styles, ten Charlotte Flair. So okay, oh, kind of down. Okay, yeah. Um, so he says CM Punk versus Daniel Bryan. Who is the bigger star of this decade? Because he was shocked that Daniel Bryan wasn't on that list. Um, what do you think, Putty? Do you think? CM Punk belongs in there, or do you think Daniel Bryan got ripped off? I mean, what, what, what do you think? What's the exact question you're asking me? Does CM Punk belong in there, or would you replace him with Daniel Bryan? In the top of the decade? Yeah. I'll replace him with Daniel Bryan. You replace him with Daniel Bryan? Daniel Bryan had the strong... Uh, he was out for three years, though. So was, Daniel Bryan, so was CM Punk, though. But Daniel Bryan had a stronger on-screen appearance. He beat Evolution one night at WrestleMania 30, which isn't an easy undertaking. He left cleaner than CM Punk did. I'm never a big CM Punk fan. Never at all. No, never did. I like CM Punk, the man. The character I never got into. Interesting. So I like watching interviews. I like watching him doing the, uh, the Talking Dead stuff and the backstage stuff, of course. But I think as for impact and wrestling, I think Daniel Bryan had a bigger impact. Okay, so this is what my thoughts are on this. I'm a huge CM Punk fan. And I loved everything CM Punk did for wrestling, especially his transition of his character. To... And uh, I respect the fact that he left to pursue UFC. Yeah. So and I, I hear people shit on him for, like, you left to pursue a career you're going to suck at. But, like, he well, didn't know he was going to suck at it. I, I, no one did. I he, followed, he followed uh, his dreams. I so followed what... his documentary for that. Um... Oh, did you? I didn't know he was... I didn't watch that. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's like, road like, leading up to it. But, like, I'm not a really CM Punk cool. fan, but people are shitting on him for that. I'm like... He wants to do this. He that's his dream. Like Undertaker's dream. He wanted to do UFC. Right. But he knew he was too old. Yeah. CM Punk wasn't. And CM Punk was also burned out from wrestling. Yeah, yeah so he prop, was doing him for following young. his dream. So why are you hating on this guy for following his dream? Right. You know, I mean Punk he definitely had an impact in wrestling. And like, you know, the mic drop thing, uh the pipe bomb I'm sorry, the pipe bomb thing pipe bomb, yeah. uh was definitely controversial. The the, the whole storyline with the contract. I mean, it was a cool thing. You didn't necessarily know what was gonna happen. You know, he definitely he, he definitely captured the emotions of the fans and uh, 
Like some great, great storylines, great epic moments. But here's the thing. Um, as much as I love CM Punk, I would have to say Daniel Bryan deserves to be in that spot. Okay, good, yeah. Because Daniel Bryan, he did the same, but he also had a hell of a comeback story. Oh, you know, one of the best, one of the of best all time. One of the best in sports history, um, which is up there with Roman Reigns. I mean, Roman Reigns had a hell of a comeback mm, story as well. Yeah. But Daniel Bryan, you know, n- none of us ever thought we'd see him back in the ring again. Nope. And as you mentioned before, you know, with uh, beating Evolution all one night, the Yes movement was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, talking mainstream-wise, I mean, Daniel Bryan, I think, hit more so mainstream than CM Punk did. Absolutely. CM Punk is more of a niche you know, say what wrestling you're, fan audience. If you know, if the Bellas had something to do with that, say what you will. But the fact is, so. more people, I would say, probably know who Daniel Bryan is than CM Punk. Now it is, yeah. But back in then, before Total Bellas, I don't think so. I think everyone knew equally. No, I'm talking about people outside of wrestling. Really, you know, it, it's just if we're talking about who's the top ten of the decade, you have to that has to equate for something mm-hmm. as far as uh, the brand power. I think CM Punk's brand power only reached a niche audience. I think Dana Bryan reached more so of a broader audience, especially with his comeback story. That's true. You know, CM Punk, the only ones that cared about CM Punk coming back are wrestling fans. Yeah, definitely. No one outside of wrestling cares about CM Punk. Even, you know, CM Punk going to UFC, which was awesome, uh, UFC fans didn't even care about CM Punk. Wrestling fans did. You know, so I, I, I would say... Daniel Bryan, hands down, deserves to be in that list more so than CM Punk. It pains me to say, but if I'm really breaking it down, yeah. So that's my go-home thought. We're currently on the show November 29th, which means next time, episode 191, when it gets posted, will be after BWF's Jingle All The Way, which we'll be there ringside for commentary. Are you ready for that? You, You over what happened last time? Am I over what happened last time? No, I'm not over what okay. happened last time. Brother Greatness will defend against Chris Cage, the Cruiserweight title. Sebastian Cage goes against Ghost Shadow. Tyree Taylor will defend New York City title against Monster Mac, who made his debut. Bullshit. The Satsujin Squad will go against Bronco Internacional and Manny Martinez for the tag team titles. They deserve it. And you're a man of that. T.J. Marconi will defend against Eric Jade in an I Quit match for the World Championship. That's right. You notice we're all getting our rematches. Except. Except Rick Recon. Rick Recon. I did notice that. I'm like. Which is complete bullshit. That's weird. How does Rick Recon not get a rematch for at least one of Tyree Taylor's championships? Well, he was what? The Five Boroughs champion and the U.S. champion? Right. Now they merged it into the NYC title. And now... I guess Tyree has a gorgeous out with Monster Mac. But Rick Recon was he deserves his rematch. I totally agree he does. I, I think this is this is Bush League. I think all you guys do. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Okay. You agree with us. And I assume all you guys are gonna lose. What do you mean you assume we're gonna lose? Why? If it's fair and square, one on one, maybe two on two, you guys are gonna lose. You wait wait, you, how come you completely discredit the squad? And no matter what we do. Because I have never seen you guys win fair and square one on one. Ever? Yeah. Ever. Yeah. It's happened. When? It's happened plenty of times. Name one time. Name one time? Um, let's see. How about with Chris Barton, Dominic De Niro, BCW? They're in the finals now, by the way. I'm talking about BWF. Talking about BWF? I'm just talking about a joke. You said ever. You said yeah, ever. I said, I said BWF. You said ever. I, and I just, I just schooled you. Lawyered. No, I'm talking about BWF. Because you never, never won fair and square in BWF. 
and I give props to you. I think you guys should deserve to win the BDCW Tag Team Titles because you guys are one of the best tag teams ever. Thank you. No problem. They are the best tag team ever. I think you guys are better than El Jefe Bronco, fair and square. Oh, but you think we're going to lose? Yeah. To El Jefe and Bronco? Why? If you just said that we're better than El Jefe and Bronco International. Then what makes you think we're going to lose? Because you guys can't beat fair and square 2 on 2. Yes, we can. We're going to show you on Sunday. I'm I hope sorry, so. Not Sunday. On Saturday. Saturday. Maybe I hope so. This Sunday is going to be the after party. You're not in, you're not invited because of these little remarks you're making. Oh, no. What am I going to do with myself? Have fun and enjoy my life? No problem. Please. That's a lie. You never enjoy your life. No, I don't. <laughs> you secretly want to hang out with us. You're jealous because you're not part of the squad. Mm, it's not true. I can sleep at night. You, you, I, anyway, I let's wrap things up. No, I can't. Anyway, let's wrap things up. How's your growing thoughts? Any final comments before we go downstairs and finish our drinks? Sing some karaoke? No. Can't wait for December. Actually, our show is going to be airing in December. So let's rock out. Close 2019 with a blast these next few weeks with all these interviews that Abel has coming up next. I can't wait, man. Our year-end award shows. Any categories you guys want us to talk about? Any nominations you want to make? Inbox, com or hit us up on the social medias. Dial up 619-343-3005. And, of course, all agreements interviews will be on our YouTube, A-Show Wrestling, so definitely check it out. So for the Hollywood assassin, Mark Schwann. For Green Man, Tristan Tai, a.k.a. Ikiro Kwan. I've been your host at Mago J. Putty. Until next week. Putty out. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I need to announce it's last Last call call at at the the bar. bar. Oh. Well, everybody, we are back here. And just when you think you're done, they bring you back in. And we just still have a little bit more time with Tristan Ty. So, Tristan, this is how it's played. It's rapid fire questions. The first thing that comes to your mind is the first thing you should answer. Are you ready? I guess so. (laughs) Then away we go. Who is your favorite wrestler of all time? Randy Orton. Other than wrestling, what is your favorite sport? Football. What fictional character would you like to face in the ring? Tommy the Green Ranger. That's a that's a I could I like to see that, bro. Only because I think it's more possible than anything else. Totally. Uh what is the worst job you've ever had? Shit. Uh I was a seafood clerk at a supermarket. What's your favorite karaoke song? Uh Don't Stop Believing. What is the best feature on a woman? Oh, God. Ass. <laughs> You're an ass, man. Who is your celebrity crush? My, girl, my girl's eyes, though. I'll put that there. Um, celebrity crush. Celebrity crush. Man, uh, who's that mom from Modern Family? The Spanish girl, the Hispanic one. Sofia Vergara. Yeah, yeah, she's bad. I don't get her. If you can change anything about yourself, what would it be? Be taller. What is your pet peeve in wrestling? Uh, fans thinking they can wrestle. If your career ended tomorrow, what would you like to be remembered for? Someone who didn't live with regret. And finally, how much is it going to cost me to cut this check? And we could talk num- we could talk numbers all day. Uh, whatever you got, honestly. Tristan, thank you so much for joining us on a shot of wrestling. Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, have a great holiday. And thank you again for joining us on this episode. I appreciate you guys. You likewise. Hey, baby, I hear the bell ringing, hip tosses and body slams. Oh, my. 
And maybe you seem a bit confused. Yeah, baby. But I got you pinned. Ha, 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 But I don't know what to do when I see them with that golden case. They're cashing it in. Authority all in my face. What is a man to do? Good night, everybody. <laughs>